Welcome to episode 329 of Canada's Pinball Podcast, coming at you from a humongous suite at the Nobu Hotel in Miami, Florida. Uh, Bookings.com messed up my reservation at the Edition Hotel, so I called over here, said I was on a mini moon, and they gave us a $1,200 Ocean View suite for 550 bucks a night. Incredible. It's humongous. Anyway, that's not why you tuned in today. It's all about Steve Ritchie's brand new game coming out from Stern Pinball, Black Knight, Sword of Rage. We were all wrong. It wasn't Black Knight 3000. It's Black Knight, Sword of Rage, which is a little bit of a combination of Black Knight 2000 meets Swords of Fury. Um, so here's, this is an exciting day. I get really giddy. I know many of you get giddy too when you see a new pinball machine for the first time. Uh, it, we, we knew this game was coming. It wasn't a mystery. What we didn't think is is that it was going to come out so soon in terms of the reveal. I told you it would it would be first playable at the Midwest Gaming Classic. I thought that's where it would be revealed. It looks like that will now be the first place they will bring the game uh, to be flipped. But that might not even be the case either. I know there's a show in Vegas coming up and there's a few other sort of trade or industry shows happening before MGC. But who cares about any of that, right? We're here to talk about the king, Steve Ritchie's machine. And we're here to ask ourselves on this edition of Canada's Pinball Podcast, has he redeemed himself? Is the king back? Has Now that he's unleashed, right? Now that he's no longer shackled to the chains of Disney and the Star Wars limitations, this is the game that Steve Ritchie says he always wanted to make. He had full reign, well, within probably budget, to make the game he wanted to make at Stern. And I think it's pretty easy to stand over this game and say, it's pretty damn sweet. I mean, it's hard to find a lot to fault with this game. And I have to be honest, I, I, I literally saw this and I was like, wow. That's a really, really cool thing they're doing there with that night mechanism in the middle. We're going to talk all about that. We're going to talk about the Magna save, the upper play field. The game looks fun. All right. It, it, it's, it's the kind of game where when you see it for the first time, it's kind of hard not to say, I really want to shoot this game. It looks really cool. It looks really fun. And the other part that's really amazing about this game is it's not the kind of game where you look over it and you're confused about what to do. It's pretty simple. You're battling the Black Knight. I mean, I, I, I love pinball machines that are very intuitive. There is nothing about this game that is like a head scratcher. Like, why are there drones over there? And why is there like a subway station? And why is there a quantum theater? And why is there a dude with lightning bolts above his head? And why is there like a guy with mom jeans holding up a cell phone? And why is there like a tornado? And like, you know what I'm saying? I just described to you the story of Dialed In, which needs a comic book to explain to you what you need to do. And no, 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 no. This is what pinball is supposed to be about. You're supposed to stand over a pinball machine and it should be pretty damn intuitive what world you are walking into, what storyline you are about to embark upon, what the journey before you is going to be. Now, how do I want to talk about this game? And look, none of us have flipped it. So that's the first thing we have to talk about. When a game is revealed, all we can do is simply observe what we think of the layout, what we think of the artwork, what we think of the theme, um, what we think of the toys and the mechanisms in it. Now, Stern did give us a nice video uh, that was on IGN today that showed us how some of the stuff works. Uh, there was a great interview with Steve Ritchie on IGN as well. Also, Nate Shivers interviewed both Tim Sexton and Steve Ritchie 
back-to-back episodes on coast-to-coast pinball, so you should definitely check those out if you get a chance. All right, so here's the game. The game is out. All the mystery is over. We know what the game looks like, and what do we think about this game? Now, we heard earlier that people at Stern Pinball might have been nervous about this game and, and how well it would do. I don't know. And When I looked it over, I mean, this wouldn't make me nervous putting this game out into the world. But what is amazing, and here's how I want to do this podcast. I just want to talk about like the sequence of thoughts that went into my head, and then we'll talk about the game a little bit more specifically. First and foremost, I couldn't help but feel, isn't Stern Pinball just incredible? Isn't it incredible? And I don't mean like they make everything incredible. Their games are incredible. I don't mean it like that. What's incredible about Stern Pinball is they never stop giving us pinball games. It's just, it is absolutely mind-boggling to me that not a single Munster's premium machine has even shipped to consumers yet, and we've already seen the next game. I mean, the cadence and the volume and the, the frequency and efficiency of this company puts every other pinball company to shame. There, It is like, I don't even know how you can be a fan of another company for, without getting frustrated, without having extreme patience, uh, without even the paint drying on the Munsters premium play fields, we see this new Black Knight game. And that's incredible. Now, I also thought to myself, Wow, like why did Stern bring this game out so quickly, right? I mean, they're they're just shipping people their Ellie's of Munsters and the premium orders are just in. Is it too soon? Like how much space between launches of games do you need to do? You know what that tells me? It tells me one thing. It tells me Stern has a really big year planned. It tells me Stern has a lot of games that they're very excited to put on the line and it tells me that we, we are going to see a lot of stuff from Stern Pinball this year. And this is just, they're on schedule. Like, this is the schedule. I think the Munsters might have been a little bit delayed in getting out. Uh, but Black Knight is on schedule. And, they, and this game is going to hit us pretty quickly. I would assume this game is going to ship. Uh, let's see, it's going to be, what, April next week? I would say within April... The pros of this game will be going out to people as well as the LEs. We know Stern's, the way they do it, right? They don't reveal a game until it's even on the line. Parts are ordered. It's going to get to customers. Now, I also thought, this is what popped into my head, we're going to see a lot, and I mean a lot, of people trying to sell their Game of Thrones. I mean, it's it's, it's going to be a fire sale on Game of Thrones owners. All those guys who like wanted a great Steve Ritchie pin and this and that. I think we're going to see Game of Thrones pins go up for sale. I think we're going to see Star Wars pins go up for sale. And I get those are two themes that a lot of people like. But man, this to me feels like what Steve Ritchie always wants to do. It's stuff like this. I felt like when I saw Game of Thrones and Star Wars for the first time, I was not blown away. I was not excited. I didn't even feel like there was a tremendous amount of passion that went into those two titles. But when I see this game, the feeling that comes to mind is that this is the result of what happens when you allow a designer to make something that he's completely passionate about. He doesn't have to ask any permission from a license holder if he can do this or if he can do that. I mean, Tim, Tim Sexton told uh, you know, the story of like the origins of this game and how, and how Steve had this crazy idea for a mechanism of a black knight that would be this imposing figure in the middle of the game 
and you would be physically battling him. And we're going to talk about that mech and how freaking cool it is. But I think it's really important to, to, to sort of stop and appreciate just how much better pinball is when these designers are unshackled from these themes. Now, that doesn't mean you can't take a theme and make an amazing game because the majority of great pinball machines are based on themes. But we know that when Stern goes to grab a theme, uh, the bomb, right? How much money they'll invest in that game that the license for that theme is incorporated into that. So when I look at this game as an original game where Steve Ritchie the King is allowed to do what he wants, I can't help but also think that this is the best this is the best kind of innovation we're going to get from Stern for a while because they were able to, you know, spend the money that they normally would have to spend on the theme uh, and, and imply that, apply that to the mechanism uh, that is the Black Knight and the upper playfield and the other stuff like the Magnus save. Like there's a lot in this game uh, that I don't think we would have had if this was based on a licensed property. Okay, so kudos to Stern for allowing Steve Ritchie, the king, to have his uh, original game brought to fruition. Now, does this redeem uh, Star Wars and Game of Thrones? I don't know. It's way too early to tell on that front. But I would again, looking at both of those games for the first time next to this game, I, I am much more excited to play Black Knight uh, sort of rage than I was to play Star Wars or Game of Thrones. Here's what I think this game is going to end up being. And I haven't flipped it. I haven't played it. But I can tell by what I've seen and what I'm hearing, I can tell this game is going to do one thing. It is going to bring some really high fucking energy to a pinball experience. And you could tell, right? This game's going to all be all about the energy, like that music from the Anthrax guitarist, the Black Knight taunting you. It's going to be freaking like uh, like a heavy metal sort of like energetic joyride to flip this machine I, i'm totally confident in that and you could tell you could tell and what i love is the story i always harp on this a pinball machine like a video game like a movie it needs to have a story in which you are excited to embark upon that journey and this is why i just don't you know, I can't fall in love with Pirates of the Caribbean because it's like, what's the story of all these five movies? It's the story of that game is like how to get to all the multiballs and stack them and this and that. There's no story in it. There's no real narrative in it. But this game, when I was listening to Tim Sexton explain what's in this game and the story of it, the more he talked and the more I heard from Richie and the more I realized what this game is all about, the more I was like, that's fucking awesome. It is awesome. Like, it's very simple. You are trying to defeat the Black Knight. Like, you could just stop there and be like, that's the that's the point of this game. You want to get to the point where you attack the Black Castle uh, and you kill the Black Knight. And the Black Knight is trying to stop you from conquering him, right? He's got his skeleton army. He's got other, you know, mini bosses that are guarding like his kingdom. And you have to battle your way through the kingdom to get to the, you know, the Black Castle or the Dark Castle and defeat his skeleton army and then battle the Black Knight. And you could just like, you could just like, that's it. That's it. You don't need a fucking comic book. You don't need a rule set with a million different like arrows going everywhere. I know what I'm trying to do in the game. And it's going to be fun. How could that not be fun? 
and you stand over the game and it's clearly obvious like what you're trying to do. You're trying to battle this huge mechanism that's in the middle. And let's talk about that mechanism for a minute because I, when I first saw the images, I didn't really know what was going on. I was like, is that like a captive ball or what is that thing in the middle? And it, it's so cool. So I'm, I'm, I'm zooming in now. This guy, this black knight, he's got a, he's holding a, a flail. Is it, is it a flail, right? It's it, instead of a sword. And let me just clarify it for a minute. The sword in the game, like sword of rage. Like I think you have the sword as well. So I think the black knight might have a sword, but I don't care that he's, that he's not holding an, a, a sword in his hand. He's holding this flail. Um, that that's fine with me, but what's cool, like in his right hand, he's got this flail and it, it spins, right? It spins like over and over and over and it either shoots the ball up the ramp or it deflects it back down to the player, which is awesome. Like that's so fucking cool. And then in his left hand is a shield that goes up and down. And I think there's a ball lock behind the shield and you either like hit the shield and it deflects back at you or you make it through. And I mean, it's just cool. Like, it's just cool to see this character have like a different sort of weapon in each hand uh, that that you're combating against. So it's like almost like a bash toy on two sides. So um, I, I really do. I really do love when we see these kinds of toys and gimmicks and games because to me, that's what pinball is all about. All right. And so you, I can even just look at this knight too and his eyes light up. And his eyes and the LED where his mouth is, those are going to like change color and interact with the game when he talks. So it's going to be like he's taunting you, he's challenging you, you're, you're, you know, he's, he, he's like alive on the play field. And that's, that's fucking awesome, right? That is so awesome. I'd much rather have that than a guy with two electric bolts that he's holding on to just move back and forth like a target from a carnival game. But anyway, I, I digress. So. I think it's really, really cool. You're also going to have like the upper play field on the LD and the premium uh, that's going to be able to lock balls up there. You're going to be able to get a six ball multi-ball going uh, with the LD and the premium games. On the right side, by the right outlane, what is really cool is you got the Magnus save, right? This, this Magnus save is in the same exact area where John Papaduke put it for Magic Girl that that didn't really work well. Uh, but but we know that this was in the Black Knight series before. So it's a return of Magnus save. Now what's awesome about this, this is kind of funny. So it is, you use the Magnus save by hitting the button on the lockdown bar. Now I couldn't help but laugh at this. And this we always say this, why can't Stern make it so the apron of the game is centered with the center of the lockdown bar because here's here's what's so funny if you look at this uh, of the game if you look at the sort of like the instructions on the apron that are pointing to the lockdown bar button how funny is it that the arrow in between the magnus save like it says use button to activate the arrow has to be tilted to the right uh, to indicate where the button is it just looks so silly like the whole game is like off centered but that's all right we forgive them for that but that is a really cool feature. So I'm really excited that's in there. Um, will it be hard to use that Magnus save? Uh, you know, taking your hand off the right flipper button and then having to press it. That That's a pretty, you know, long distance to go. I think some people were saying they would rather see that button as a third button below uh, the right flipper button. But that, you know, whatever. I, I, I think it's going to be fine. Uh, what else is going on in this game? There's a lot going on. Like, I, you've seen it. You know the, you know the pictures. Um, let's talk about the artwork. Because uh, that is another thing we can sort of critique without flipping the game itself. 
Now, I have to say, this is done by, I believe, is Kevin O'Connor? I'm just pulling up my notes. I want to make sure I get this stuff right. Because you know this podcast, we get so much stuff wrong. Um, let's see, Kevin O'Connor is the artist. He also is the artist from Kiss. And I have to say, like, the cabinet art packages on the Pro, Premium, and Ellie, I think they all look phenomenal. I really do. Uh, I don't know if I like the premium or the LE art more. I can't tell. But I also will say this. I always like it when a game has the title of the machine on the side of the game. I love the way the Black Knight Sword of Rage looks on the Pro. I wish they would have put that big logo across both the premium and the LE. I don't like games that don't have the title on the side of the cabinet. I just don't. I, I prefer to have that cool title there. Okay, so I'm not going to go over the whole, you know, features matrix. I think the LE gets a shaker, but we're going to talk about the artwork. Like, what do I think of the artwork? We've gotten down by the flippers, this big pile of gold. Now, what, what, what I think was funny, I was listening to Tim, and he was talking about you're trying to steal the, the gold and the money from the Black Knight, and that's the money he's accrued, um, and he stole from all the different kids that played Black Knight 2000 in the first Black Knight game. So like all the quarters that people pumped into those pinball machines over the years, um, this is the money that you're trying to steal from the Black Knight. I thought that was really a, a fun and clever way to think about you know his money and his bounty in the game um, and don't forget the, the first game came out 30 years ago 1989 incredible uh, the artwork I'll say this you know we've seen a lot of artwork from Zombie Yeti and Christopher Franchi so I think it's refreshing to have new artwork in the game um, it's not as detailed as a lot of the other games we've, we've seen recently uh, it's just not I mean you've got the gold and, and the knight then you've got that big sort of like circus wheel that has all these different, I don't know if they're like mini modes with these sort of lightning bolt inserts. And you've got, I don't, you know, to me, like, I don't know. It looks like a big, uh, like, I don't know, lightning bolt pizza pie in the middle. I don't know how to describe it. That's uh, such a big piece of real estate. It probably looks really cool because it's, you know, it's got all those like lightning bolt inserts and whatnot. Um, I don't know. I kind of wish there was a little bit more artwork in that area of the game. And then you've got the Black Knight with holding the sword above that. And there's not much else. I mean, there's a lot of just red in the background. And it looks like there's flames and skulls. But there isn't the level of detail in the background of this game. Uh, nowhere near as much detail in the artwork as there is in, in a game like Deadpool. In a game like Iron Maiden. In a game... You know, even like Batman's got a little bit more going on. I think Monsters has so much more going on. I think that the Franchi and and Yeti they like to fill in a lot of that background space with more color, uh, but I think this game is relying a lot more on just you know red and yellow and then the inserts and it's it's and the inserts are very i don't i don't you know it, it's it's not the most creative inserts you've got the you know when you, at every shot it's pretty clear has like three inserts attached to it maybe four you know you've got the the green the yellow and then the blue um you can maybe the yellow and the red and then you know and then the lightning bolt at the top um so you know pretty basic I, I don't I wouldn't say that this is like this playfield artwork is blowing me away, but it's nice. It's nice hand drawn art. Uh, I think the action is going to be fast and furious in this game. Uh, and now we wait. And now we wait until the game is played. Now there are drop targets in the game as well, so that is good. That there is not just like a lazy stand up target. Uh, and this is it. This is it. We have a new Stern game out today. 
And do I think this game will be successful? That's the question I want to ask you guys out there. Oh, it's interesting because I was surprised to see that Stern is releasing 600 LEs of this game. I was also hearing a lot of people say that if you're going to make a Black Knight game, there has to be an upper play field. Like that is the original game's claim to fame that it had an upper play field. And some people are looking at this as sacrilege, that they're, that the pro version does not have an upper play field. But as I heard from Tim, uh, the pro plays really fast. And we saw this with Game of Thrones. We know Steve Ritchie does this. Oftentimes, the, um, the pro versions of his games are the ones with the most speed and the most flow. So I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of like the the tournament players and the pinball players who love speed and flow, if they actually determine the pro version of this game to be better. Whereas the upper play field will obviously slow the action down a bit. You're obviously a lot safer from draining when you're up in the upper play field. Um, so, but there's, you know, there's more multi-ball opportunities there. So uh, we'll see. We'll see which one people prefer. But I definitely would lean towards the premium and the LE on this game. So how will it sell? Do I think they're going to sell all 600 LEs? I don't know. I really don't know. Is it going to be sold out? I don't know. I don't think it's the kind of game that's going to sell out like tomorrow. And, and you know, it was revealed today. And we've seen Stern sell out a ton of games within a week. Will this sell out in a week? I, I can't say it will either. And here's why, though. I don't think it's only the fact because it's an original game and it's not like a theme that people, you know, have to have. Because I think a lot of pinball nerds out there who love the Black Knight series, uh, those guys are really into this. But this does not have the same kind of following as like a Star Wars or a Game of Thrones or a Guardians or a Monsters. There's there's just not that same level. So I don't think it's going to sell out because of that. But the main reason I also don't think it's going to sell out so quickly is I think people, you know, just went in on the Munsters. And a lot of guys who love Stern games and buy all new in-box games, they they just bought one of your games. They're not going to buy, like, two games immediately. So I think there's going to be a little bit of a pause there. I think there's going to be a little bit of a pause because people are waiting to see uh, what Willy Wonka is all about, right? If you're going to, to if you're gonna go drop $9,000, do you need to do it today? Um, you might as well wait a few weeks and see what Jersey Jack has up his sleeve because we know that's coming. You also might have heard, you know, positive reviews about Oktoberfest at TPF, and maybe you want to see if that game is where your money should go. I I couldn't help but think that this game coming out at this moment, at this time, is nothing but bad news for Oktoberfest. It it just it's bad news. Like they 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 just they had a window in which they, they could bring out their game without as much competition. But this is what Stern does. They just clobber you with consistency. You know, it, it's not like each game has to be the greatest game ever, but they just clobber the competition by, by constantly having new games come out every two to three months. There's just no stopping them. And so we know that a lot of people just want the latest and the greatest. Now, uh, it's going to be hard, I think, for like a Joe Balser designed Oktoberfest to shoot as well as a Steve Ritchie designed Black Knight. And 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 again, two types of two different types of games. I mean, what I do like about Oktoberfest, it's a completely original layout. It doesn't feel like a typical Stern layout. It doesn't feel uh, you know, like a fan layout. It doesn't, you know, but here's the thing though. Like Joe Balser is interesting to me because he doesn't have like his style. 
I think Joe's always trying to mix it up and you get a lot of different approaches to pinball with Joe Balser where Richie's a little bit different. Like, you know, you're going to get speed, you know, you're going to get flow, you know, you're going to get that. And you know, you're going to have like his kind of like the way the inserts are in his game. You look at his games. It's always got like a lot of inserts going up the ladder in each. And it's very clear where the shots are. It's like this beam of light going up towards each shot with a series of inserts. Like that's how Steve Richie does it. Um, And that's how he likes to make pinball. And like they call him the king for a reason, I guess, right? So who am I to disagree with that approach? So it's like, it's kind of crazy to me. It's like Munsters now this, Oktoberfest, and you know, Alice Coopers are shipping now. And it's all these games are, are dropping on top of each other. And that's the other thought I had today is like, wow. Imagine if all this was happening and then you factor in Deep Root and maybe you factor in like Alien figuring their shit out or Big Lebowski figuring their shit out. And then you factor in uh, Suncoast Pinball and then you factor in, you know, CGC's next game. And like, it's like, what? Like, how are we going to do all this? Like, what happens if Cactus Canyon gets revealed in two months? What happens if, you know, Kingpin gets remade in like three months? And all these games are going to keep coming out. And the problem is this, this, this industry, it's, it's all going to, I think a lot of it's going to collapse under its own weight because how do you have all these companies about to release all these games? And most of these other games coming out are going to be between $7,500 and like $12,000 if you're Jersey Jack. And I don't know how these companies are going to like, I don't know how they're all going to survive. I I really don't. I don't think there are enough people out there uh, who can absorb all these new inbox games at one time. And again, but this is where Stern clobbers you because they beat everybody to the punch. They just beat them to the punch. I mean, there's no way of denying that every single Black Knight they sell and every single Munsters they sell, that's someone who potentially might have bought a Willy Wonka or who might have bought a Pirates of the Caribbean. But I have to give Stern a ton of credit. I have to give Steve Ritchie and and Tim credit and and you know who I have to I have to give the most credit to is George Gomez for for making this company so damn efficient like there's just no way around it when I was listening to Tim talk to Nate he was explaining how what George does is he gives his team members all the resources they need to get the game to the finish line when it needs to be finished so it can get out into the world and so like he he like he boosts up the team. So Tim has a whole like, you know, more expanded team right now to get the game ready to get into your home and make the game, you know, far enough along where it will be really enjoyable when you open the box. And then from there, he moves those extra resources to get the next game to fruition. And then Tim is left to focus on polishing and finishing the game and getting it to 1.0 code. See, that's how Stern just beats you. They're like an army of people over there and and they're allowed to apply they're capable of applying resources to get shit done. And that's where I think the other companies fall down. They don't have expanded resources. They don't have expanded teams. It's just those people doing it time and time again and they can only make one at a time. Where Stern is like focused on three, four, five at a time. And if something slips here or there's a delay here or there's a complication with the license over there, they can pivot and they can move their resources around uh, and apply them to the game that, you know, is next. And if, if that game can't be next, they could probably slot something in front of it. And then, then, then they could always like vault edition or put another game 
uh, on the line uh, to buy them a little bit of time, but they're always making money and the line is always moving. You know, I know that Stern is about to do another run of a game that's been really popular recently. Uh, I can't tell you what it is, but it's going to be really exciting. And I think you're going to, I think a lot of people who might have been on the fence about jumping in on one, they might see this and say, yeah, like that's really cool. That's the one I want. And no, it's not Tron. And no, it's not Lord of the Rings. All right. I can say that. Okay. So I think it's, it's going to be a really awesome spring, summer in pinball. There is so much going on. Now, this game, to close the loop on it, uh, I think this game is going to, uh, I think it's going to be a game where, People who love shooting pinball machines are going to love it. I think people who love narrative-driven pinball machines are going to have a lot of fun with it. I think we're going to see Rare Hero, Mr. Greg Colton. I think he's going to, he's going to, be, it's going to be the kind of game that he's going to tell us he's going to buy. And then he might actually buy it. I, I, used, I give Greg shit. I'm like, Greg, you, every time a game like this happens, you're like, oh, I might have to go in this time. I'm like, eventually you're going to have to go buy the game that you say you're going to go in on. Uh, but this might be that one. I don't know. We'll see. But I think this game is really amazing uh, from what I've seen so far. I have to give Stern credit. Um, let's give Pinside 24 to 48 hours and watch what's going to happen. You know, they love a game on day one. Day two, they'll, they'll find more stuff to bitch about. Probably by game four, or sorry, game four. By day four, they're going to be ready to say it's the worst game ever. No, but I, I, th- that's how Pinside is because they, they're so like incapable of just being happy about a new game release. I just think... You know, we don't know a lot about this game. We haven't flipped it. We haven't seen the code. We haven't seen the animations yet. We haven't seen so much. Uh, but I think you go to bed tonight happy with what you've seen. So I, 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 I do think um, I would be happy if I was the team who had worked on this and this is what they're they're putting out there. Now, look, I, I can already hear people being like, it's just another Stern. It's just another Stern. And yes, on, on many levels, it is just another Stern. And Stern is Stern is Stern. And you're not going to get a game from Stern that looks like a Jersey Jack game. And you're not going to get a game from Stern that looks like American Pinball. And you're not going to get a game from Stern that looks like Chicago Gaming Company. And while you can criticize Stern for being cheaper on this and that, I I just don't know how you can really stay mad at Stern for very long because they just keep giving you games. I'd I'd rather uh, a company that keeps giving me options versus a company that is recycling old ideas like Yellow Brick Road was. Like, I, I'm, you know what I'm saying? Like Jersey Jack is looking back, where Stern is always looking forward. And I, and I think that's commendable. And I think that's, we should appreciate that because isn't it more exciting to always have future titles coming out versus looking back at the old titles and charging $11,500 for a game that's been out for seven years? All right? All right. Well, that's my little take on uh, this game so far. A lot of exciting stuff. The music sounds incredible. Again, I think it shows if you unleash these guys and you let them make something they're passionate about, you're just going to get more from them. And I think this is something that Steve has wanted to make, and I think they got more from him. And I do think this will redeem uh, what I believe to be like mediocre titles in uh, Star Wars and Game of Thrones. All right, so what else do I want to do on this episode of Canadian's Pinball Podcast? I got so many, so many emails after the Twippy Award. Uh, so I want to say thank you to all the people who emailed me about that. I might read, a, read some of them on the air now because it's always fun to give you guys some air time. First, I wanted to say thank you to someone's podcast that I listened to who went over the Twippy Awards and they had some nice stuff to say 
about me. And I just wanted to say, Marty, thank you on Head to Head Pinball. I heard what you said. I, I sent you a note as well. I do want to say thank you. And I appreciate the kind words you said about what went down at the show. I, I don't think our category should have been dragged down the way it was. Uh, I think we're, we all will move on from it. And I told Marty, I would just love to be a guest on his show. And I would love to have Marty be a guest on this show. And I think we should, um, you know, bury whatever hatchets there are and all of us pinball podcasters should get along because what I wanted to say too is like what you guys don't understand is we're all us podcasters, we're all we're all struggling through the same sort of journey of how do we find the time, how do we find the content. It's a lot of work. It's a lot more work than you guys realize. It's it's a lot more of our mental time than than we should be applying to pinball that we have to apply to pinball to get you guys these weekly shows. So on a certain level, I sort of connect and bond with every single dude out there and woman out there who's doing a pinball podcast. So we're all sort of in the same group uh, and part of the same family. So it would be nice for more of us to do each other's shows. And that that's me sort of reaching out there to all of you out there who do pinball podcasts. I would love to have you on the show and I would love to come on your shows as well. And, and, and we can cross promote what we're doing on a weekly basis. Okay. I think that would be awesome. All right, so I got an email from Peter Gertzen. He said, Chris, he said, congrats once again on the Twippy. I love the music samples you use for the shows, Some sometimes hitting back to the 80s. Great stuff. Can you make a Spotify playlist and share that? Um, Peter, here's what I might do. I have a few awesome like playlists that I've put together. But I also have this awesome mashup that's just incredible that is not on Spotify. In fact, most of those mashups you've been hearing, they're, they're not available on Spotify. What I might do is once a month, I might just upload onto my SoundCloud channel for you guys uh, an entire musical like play, uh, just a musical track for you guys to download because these mashups are all together. It's like one hour long mashup of amazing music. So I might do that for you guys so you can you can enjoy it. Cause I think sharing music is just as much fun as playing pinball. All right, I got an email. Uh, let's see, do, 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 from Michael Shallis. Michael says, congratulations on Twippy 2. Kaneda, before you get slammed with emails about Black Knight, congratulations on picking up your second Twippy. You certainly earned it, and it is too bad that you were not given the respect that you deserve to offer your thanks to those who voted for you and those important to your life. As a Pinsider posted, even the people who did not vote for you listen to your podcast before any of the others. You are unique, and you have the best dog. Looking forward to future shows. As always, my best to Bubba, Mike. Well, Mike, thank you so much. Um, I don't know how we can tell if people listen to this show before any others. Uh, I do have the best dog. And I was still able to thank almost everybody I wanted to um, at the podium during the Twippies. But thank you so much for that note. I got an email from doo, 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 uh, Garrett. Thank you for showing me the, the, the Black Knight video. I got an email from Dude Love. Let's see what this says. Hi, Kaneda. I really enjoy your podcast. Been a day one listener. Congrats on the Twippy. I've been to MGC seven years in a row, and I think you would really enjoy the show. MGC has all the great parts of a pinball show, Stern's home show, debuts, hundreds of games, homebrew, etc. But it also has an amazing energy of a nostalgic gaming convention with just as much or more dedicated to that area. You should consider going some year. I think you'd really dig it. 
All right, that is from OWG. Well, you know what? I really do want to get to Chicago and get to MGC. Is it, is it in Chicago? I don't even know where it is. Um, but I would love to go to MGC. And if the rumors are true, because Kingpin Games keeps saying this, if the rumors are true, there might be a chance that Willy Wonka will be there. Uh, Black Knight we know will be there for sure now. But it would be interesting if Willy Wonka was there as well. But Jack is in France. So is Jack going to release Willy Wonka without him there? I can't I can't see that happening unless the France trip isn't for real. All right, let's see. I got an email from, let's see, Pirates of the Caribbean comment. Uh, do, do, do. I can't read more pirate stuff. I'm still, I'm still like trying to get over the fact that Pirates won for best theme integration. I mean, I mean what, how is that even possible? Pirates winning for best theme integration with absolutely no assets. It's still, I, to this day, uh, I don't understand. All right, I got an email from Ed C. It said, Twippies. Fuck yeah. Congratulations, Chris. I was getting worried when Deadpool won best theme, but that was a distant memory when your name was announced. You deserve it. Keep up the great work. Well, Ed C., thank you so much. I appreciate you listening to the show. Uh, I got an email from Wes. Congrats to a wonderful year of podcasting. Just sharing some thoughts on your grand win of the weekend and the fallout of JJP. Thanks again for everything, Canada. Oh, he has an auto audio recording. Let me um, let me do this. Let me download his auto recording and play it for you now, and then we'll close out the show. And I'll thank more of you guys on the next podcast. How does that sound? All right. Hey there, Canada. I wanted to leave you a brief message. This is uh, Wes. Westman from Pinside left a message for you prior. A little bit sloppy, a little bit drunk, slightly more sober now. Wanted to say first thing, congratulations for your win last night. It'll be last last night by the time you get this message. You handled things with a plum in class. Uh, you deserved it. You look good. You look sharp. You came off well. Congratulations. Second, I want to say I think that people are in an uproar. Understandably so, but for the wrong reason at Jersey Jack Pinball. I think Jack probably had about a week or so notice, probably understood that he couldn't do the reveal he wanted to do, so he was left with time on his hands, and unfortunately wasn't so transparent as he could have been, but it's business. And who wants to look bad in business? Who wants to kind of admit that there are issues and who wants to kind of have that be at the forefront? And especially when they're unveiling a product, which this product probably would have been about a five-minute snippet. Wonka probably would have been the rest of it. I don't think it's on Jack's hands. I don't think it's on his head. I don't think he, I don't think he had the ability to kind of control this. And he didn't want to express that and look weak. You got to look at Jack as somebody who is in the business firsthand, has decades of experience, is at the head of the company, the head and the spokesman, or someone like Gary is aloof, he's removed. Charlie has kind of, he's a little bit clueless. American Pinball has not much of an identity right now. So Jack at least is out there. Jack is going to take the shots. Jack is going to be the vocal point. And I appreciate and respect him for that. He's honest. He's, he's a tradesman. And I don't think anybody else at any of these other companies represents their pinball company in the same way Jack does, and I'm glad for it more than the misfires like we saw the other night. That said, hopefully they'll be more for, more transparent. You spoke with them. Maybe you'll take some of your considerations into the future, but the company is Jack, and, and for me, that is better than worse, and I'm happy he exists. The other guys, eh, 
I like their products, but Jack, to me, I like more than anybody else. And I forgive him. I understand his predicaments, and yet we don't understand his predicaments. And that's okay. It's business. We're not in the boardroom. We're not in meetings. That's fine. So Jack gets a pass from me. Understandably, we're upset. You're upset. Everybody's upset. But you know what? Who's probably more upset than anybody? Jack. So let's cut him a break. Congratulations again, Canada. We all love you. I think Jack still loves you. And and most of all, you know, that one guy who, who jeered you, you know that he loves you. You know that he's secretly your biggest fan and Patreon fan. So don't worry about it, man. Year number three, there will be a cacophony of cheers, and that will be the only sound. Congratulations, man. You deserved it. Bye-bye. All right, Wes, thank you so much for that note. Wow, a lot in there. So just, just to sort of address some of that, I, I do think that people like Jack. I mean, Jack is a very, very likable figure. He's a likable man. He's very kind. He's very nice. He's very endearing. He's a great salesman. Uh, and I think Jack has has hit, hit a lot of hurdles, obviously, with his company over the years. And I think people have always pulled for Jack to be successful. I, I, I never really see anyone rooting for Jersey Jack Pinball to fail because it's quite evident that they are trying to make the best pinball machines available. Nobody will ever say that any of Jersey Jack's efforts have ever been about cost cutting, have ever been about yanking stuff out until the, the flying monkey. Um, but you know what I'm saying? He's tried. He's tried really hard to bring pinball back to the magic of the Bally Williams error. Now, the thing is this. Jack as a businessman is, is another picture. And, and I think that's the problem with Jack's company is when I when I talk to him and when you when you sort of sort of pick his brain, it, it's it's almost like they need a George Gomez over there. They need it, more investors over there. They need a Gary Stern over there because what they do need is more of a plan. And they don't really have much of a plan. It's sort of like they're just making each game in a silo and just hoping it works out and and they're not really set up to sort of uh, figure out a way out if something doesn't take off the way they expect it to, right? Because that's, I mean, we're, we're, we're living that nightmare for him right now with, with Pirates of the Caribbean. They don't have a plan. They did not have a plan. It's weird. It's like they didn't have a plan uh, in case. They didn't plan for the scenario in which this game would have a slower appreciation but then pick up momentum and then become successful. Like this game had to be successful on day one or they were going to pull the plug on it, which is what they're doing. And now that people are starting to recognize the game and really want it and appreciate it, they did not have a plan in place in which they could continue production. And it's like I said on my last podcast, uh, they can't order the parts now and get them in time to keep making the game and they've got to order parts for the next game, which is Willy Wonka. I don't know. I also don't think that Jack only had like a week's notice about TPF. They had. A, they had to have known that TPF was never going to be the moment in which Willy Wonka was going to be revealed. Uh, you know, these games you work back from a release date. You know, for, so let me let me let me explain that. Stern knows like when a game is going to go on the line. There's no mystery. There's no mystery to them. They don't get caught off guard. 
Uh, they're not surprised by the you know production schedules. Probably, I'm I'm, I'm assuming their 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 release schedule pretty much goes according to plan. If stuff does slip. We're talking a month or two. We're not talking a year or two, which is what we've seen with other companies. I mean, remember, Pirates of the Caribbean was almost like a year delayed. Like Alice Cooper, Nightmare Castle, a year delayed. Um, I would not call Charlie clueless. I heard you say that, Wes. I don't think Charlie's clueless. I don't think you can call a man who has, uh, you know, made profit and delivered every single pinball machine he's promised clueless. I think Charlie has work to do in certain areas of his development of his games and, and making his games better, but Charlie has survived and made money and created a company that's been successful on his terms within pinball. Uh, Jersey Jack, on the other hand, is a company that pretty much went bankrupt three times and needed a significant cash bailout to stay in business. So I think Charlie knows what he's doing and he, and he bites off as much as he can chew. Uh, I also would not call like Gary Stern aloof and just off to the side. I think there's a misconception that Gary Stern isn't in it, right? That he is. Like I, I, I think that Stern is successful not because of cert, like just serendipity. I think Stern is very successful because those guys are in it and they know it. Like Gary knows this industry like the back of his hand. Joe Kamikow knows it like the back of his hand. George Gomez knows it like the back of his hand. These people are not, um, you know, that's the thing too, is like you don't see them as much. You don't hear from them as much. And, And I tend to believe when it's the person you're not hearing from all the time, that's because they're, they're off doing it. They're getting shit done. George Gomez, Gary Stern, Kamikau, they're fucking taking care of business. Charlie Emery, he's taking care of business. It's when you hear from Jack all the time and it's always like, you know, the salesman's pitch, it's because he's deflecting. He's buying himself time. Like Yellow Brick Road Edition is nothing more than that company buying itself some time. And it's a product that nobody really wants. If if he hasn't made all 1,000 Ruby Red Editions, why didn't he just make more Ruby Red Editions if distributors are getting uh, inquiries about more Waz machines? It's weird to me. It's weird to me. And that company somehow sat in a boardroom together and they made the decision that that Yellow Brick Road Edition was worth $11,500 uh, and they yanked stuff out of the game. And they maybe they thought that a wood apron and a, and a little topper would justify it. And they still can't figure out the limited edition approach to their company. And look, I hope Jack is very successful in 2019. But they're either going to grow up this year, or I think they're going to keep stumbling. And I don't, and, and I mean that. I don't, I don't care if it's Wonka, Guns and Roses. I don't care if Jack has Harry Potter. This company's the stumbles they encounter. They go deeper than theme. They go deeper than mechanisms and gimmicks and art packages. There is something under the surface at Jersey Jack Pinball that just makes it really hard for them to do what Stern does. There's just something under the surface that always seems to plague them no matter what game it is. They just can't seem to figure it out. And I hope to God, as God is my witness, I hope they figure it out this year and don't fumble the incredible themes they have ready to go in pinball. And I'm just going to end on this note. Again, I just picked up on this vibe from them at TPF. I just didn't get the sense 
that they were they had something up their sleeve. You know when you see like from Deep Root and Robert Mueller, you know how you get this like sort of confidence from like Steve Bowden and the people over at Deep Root? I haven't seen what they're working on, but you know how you sort of get this air of like, wait do you see what we got, right? Wait do you see, like we're about to like drop it like it's hot. Like it's gonna be like a, a mic drop moment for this company. I just didn't get that sense from the JJP crew. And everyone over there must have seen what Willy Wonka is. Uh, man, I'm just going to, I don't think, it, it, this can't be, but man, do you think Willy Wonka could possibly be like a reskin of Dialed In? Is that why? Do you think they would do that? I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't think so. I, I can't imagine that being the case. Jack has never done that. But, but Yellow Brick Road Edition does sort of hint at it was a little bit of a desperate move. And does, is this indication that there will be another desperate move? and not what we think, which is just all original pinball magic coming from them. So that's all just speculation. I, I doubt Pat Lawler would ever have his first two Jersey Jack games be identical games. So I, I, like, I think there's like a 99.9% chance that we're not going to see a reskin of Dialed In. I would be so shocked. I think you guys would burn the company to the ground if that happened. All right, everyone, exciting day. I'm on my vacation and Brenda is allowing me to do this podcast. I'm going to stop it now. We are going to go have an incredible omokase dinner at the Nobu restaurant here tonight. Highly recommended by a Mr. Ed Robertson, who I did not mention is also doing call-outs in the Black Knight game. Sort of rage. It's so cool, man. Steve Ritchie's doing call-outs. Ed Robertson's doing call-outs. Do you think they'll ever like call me up and be like, hey, Kaneda, can you do a call-out that's like, it's a world under glass. I would love to do a call out within a Stern game. I hope in 2019, Stern Pinball and Canada's Pinball Podcast, I hope we can reconcile whatever differences there are and we can get some of their people on the show because I think it would be great. I mean, I love the Nate interview, but I think we do interviews a little bit different and I think people enjoy them. And 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 I would love to talk to some of the people over there. Uh, maybe I'll, I'll, I'll hit up George Gomez. I'll, I'll race his Porsche with my demon and be like, winner gets interviews. How's that, George? Anyway, everyone, have a great night. Enjoy uh, the Black Knight. Uh, enjoy the optimism and positivity around it while it lasts. And Pinside, don't be your normal selves and start, start crapping on the game. And that's my final point. How nice is it that we got a new game release, right? We got a new game reveal and Hilton is nowhere to be found. It is so refreshing that that guy is not in on all these threads with his presence, like poo-pooing everything. Robin, if you're listening, your site has been so much better over the last like 20 days without him. I would just make that a permanent thing. Have a great night, everybody. (laughs) 